The Second Amendment, that is the law of the land, not some crazy rules that states came up with. Thank God for the Supreme Court. Thank God for President Trump making this Supreme Court what it is. He chose very well. The Second Amendment is the law of the land, not something called uh, Sullivan's Law. Here in New York State, they came up with this more than 100 years ago. It basically said, if you were carrying a gun, which is your constitutional right, uh, you were violating the law. You had to have permission from the chief of police. And sometimes that chief would make you jump through all kinds of crazy hurdles. Sometimes when we read an opinion from the Supreme Court, it's hard to figure out. This one is not. It's actually very straightforward from Justice Thomas. Let's take it. Uh, all that we decide in this case is that the Second Amendment protects the right of law-abiding people to carry a gun outside the home for self-defense. Continues to say, and that the Sullivan Law, which makes that virtually impossible for most New Yorkers, is unconstitutional. It's true, you couldn't just get a license to carry easily at all. You had to jump through all kinds of crazy bureaucratic hurdles. Very few could actually get those licenses. So what was the result? Outlaws, criminals in New York have guns, and they have a lot of them, and they're using them more than ever before. Law-abiding folks who want guns, very, very hard to get. Uh, Law-abiding people with guns, mm, very, very few, and they're almost never involved in crimes. Crime is expanding. People have a reasonable fear of crime, and we will be able to carry guns. Take a look at the statistics here in New York. Crazy, 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 38% up over the past two years. And two years ago, it was up. These are, this is a bad situation. We can't count on law enforcement. Law enforcement, they have been chased and delegitimized and devalued by the mainstream media and Democrats. What happened in Uvalde? I'm not content to wait for the cops anymore. I don't know if they're going to come. I love cops, but they're under extraordinary pressure. This is how they treat police in New York. Everybody is rooting for the bad guys in this footage. Watch. They have no respect for law enforcement anymore. Everybody has told them about systemic racism and you're not supposed to pay attention to a systemically racist institution. Now, those are lies, by the way, but they caught on. And it's really tough to be in a position where you have a family and you live in a place where you have a very legitimate fear of crime. So what, do the, what does the left say about all this? They are outraged that we're going to have the right to carry again. The Supreme Court of the United States of America has stripped away the state of New York's right and responsibility to protect its citizens. This decision isn't just reckless, it's reprehensible. It's not what New Yorkers want. I believe that the Supreme Court's decision today defies logic in terms of what we know we are capable of doing with reasonable gun safety laws to secure the safety and the well-being of the people of our nation. This decision has made every single one of us less safe from gun violence. It's hard to imagine it getting any worse than it is right now. Uh, these folks, this guy and his friends, Democrats, 
They created this climate. They're responsible. You know, about two months ago, we had a horrible subway shooting in this town. Uh, the person who carried it out allegedly had lots of really bad thoughts about white people, seemed to be motivated by the current moment. Well, our silly governor, Kathy Hochul, well, she was grasping, had to say something, so she tried this. We say no more, no more mass shootings, no more disrupting lives, no more creating heartbreak for people just trying to live their lives as normal New Yorkers. It has to end, and it ends now. I mean, really, she sounded like uh, a neighborhood lady trying to chase kids off her lawn for running through her sprinkler. It was pathetic. Everybody noticed it. Now she has things to talk about. She loves talking about white supremacy. Now she points her finger at those evil Republicans. And uh, you tell me, does this make any sense whatsoever? I'm sorry this dark day has come that we're supposed to go back to what was in place since 1788 when the Constitution of the United States of America was ratified. And I would like to point out to the Supreme Court justices that the only weapons at the time were muskets. I'm prepared to go back to muskets. She's prepared to go back to muskets, not anytime soon. She's surrounded by bodyguards armed. So she went to the racetrack not too long ago to see the Belmont Stakes. Roll the videotape, please. We have it in slow motion for some reason. There's Kathy, and she is surrounded by uh, detectives, state troopers, you name it. Uh, as she goes by, you'll see even more cops. Now, who, I'm sorry, who the hell is she to tell me I can't have a weapon, which is my constitutional right? Look at it, officer after officer after trooper keeping an eye on that silly woman. That's kind of ridiculous, don't you think? Well, what do we expect from politicians? They're not going to focus on our problems. No, they're focusing on their own power. And how do they achieve that right now, especially if you're a Democrat? January 6th, all about January 6th. January 6th, the committee tried again. You know, people are really worried about the economy. Talk to some people who are retired or retiring, want to retire. What has happened to their portfolios, their 401ks? You know, it's not too long ago that people got a huge kick out of looking at their 401ks. Your 401ks, how are you doing? Pretty good, right? Pretty good. People tell me that their wives, their husbands, all of a sudden they've been running the 401ks for years. And they totally lost respect for, let's say, the husband. Totally lost respect. Now they think he's a financial genius because he's up 74%. She says, darling, I love you. You are the most incredible, brilliant financial mind. And you know what? If the Democrats get in, that's not going down by 50%. That's going down to nothing. It's going to be worthless. Did he call it or what? You know, sometimes it seemed like he was exaggerating. No. He was on it, totally. So we have a, an economy that it looks like we're on the eve of a recession, right? We could be in the middle of one right now. Liz Cheney gets to talk about January 6th. Guess what? Liz Cheney doesn't have a care in the world. She is worth approximately $7 million. Her father, Dick Cheney, the former vice president, something like $90 million. With all that money, Liz can focus on her passions, which is... A lot of weird stuff.
We have already seen how President Trump falsely declared victory on November 3, 2020, how he and his team launched a fraudulent media campaign that persuaded tens of millions of Americans that the election was stolen from him. All right. She's from she represents Wyoming, right? How many people in Wyoming right now are talking about January 6th? I wonder, really, seriously. I would say the answer is zero <laughs> point one. Nobody is. Nobody is. They are talking about gas prices, especially in a place like Wyoming, where you have to drive crazy distances. How about the total lack of law and order? This is a real problem. And you know what? We should have hearings that looks into this. I mean, the lies that were told, primarily people of color, about police has brought us to this horrible, horrible place. There are real problems in America and Congress ignoring them, ignoring them. How about transportation? Have you tried flying lately? You know, just a couple uh, over the weekend, 3,500 flights were canceled, 7,300 delayed. That is a major problem. Now, what can the administration do about this? They've got Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg standing by, former mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Remember this about Secretary Pete. The only reason why he has that job is because of identity politics. He's gay. I don't care. Somebody does. And that's why he has the job. Because when he meets with these airline executives, these bigwigs, and he does, he did, what the excuse, what is he going to say? What does he know Zero. Zero. He has never operated on this level. You need an industrialist. You need somebody who can literally make the trains run on time. So we are saddled with this uh, very dangerous economy and inflation that we haven't seen in decades. Gas prices out of control. It makes me wonder about Joe Biden and President Xi, President Xi of China. What were those guys talking about for all those meetings? You know, Joe Biden brags, you've heard this, brags about how well he knows President Xi and how much time they spent together. You've seen this. I spent time, more time with Xi Jinping than any world leader has. Over 76 hours, we traveled 17,000 miles. I will note in my comment, I've spent more with Xi Jinping than any other world leader has. I was in the Tibetan plateau with Xi Jinping. I traveled with him and spent more time with them than any other world leader has in China. I have spent, according to international folks, I spent more time with Xi Jinping, the leader of China, than any other world leader has. Over 76 hours. Nine of them on the telephone, the rest in person. Xi Jinping, the leader of China, who I've talked about, spent more time with than any other world leader has. Over 78 hours on the, either in person or on the telephone with him. Wow, he's, he, that was just in one month, in the month of May. He was boasting about that. He's been doing it for years, by the way. So President Biden and President Xi, what were they talking about? All those conversations, because President Xi, he doesn't want good things for America. And right now, very bad things are happening in America. You know, President Trump met with Vladimir Putin once in person. The meeting was not long. They met alone. Just like President Biden met with President Xi, 17 hours. But this one was very brief. No note takers. Remember how the mainstream media got totally freaked out that President Trump was alone in a room with uh, Vladimir Putin?
there were no note takers there for us to be able to really get a record of what actually happened in that meeting. It appears there's no recording or no notes were taken of this conversation. What absolutely defies explanation, Aaron, is why wouldn't the president want his own top-level advisors to know what was discussed? This kind of private meeting is virtually unprecedented in the diplomatic world. There was just the Russian translator. There was no American translator, nor were there any other American staff members who were taking part in those discussions. And that is a very unusual thing. Not really. <laughs> Not really at all. Joe Biden was always alone with President Xi. Just ask him. I've spent an awful lot of time with Xi Jinping, president of China, more than I'm told than any other world leader has. And I spent over 25 hours alone with him over the period of the last five years, seven years. Alone, alone. How un There's no freak out about how unusual that is. President Biden and President Xi. I don't trust President Biden to be alone and get the better of President Xi, do you? President Xi is much better at leading China than Joe Biden is at leading America. What happened there? I'd like to know. I'm not saying that Joe Biden is a paid agent of China or that somehow he was co-opted by China. I'm not going to say that. However, you know, I saw a movie once called Manchurian Candidate. You were familiar with this? <laughs> kind of a, an interesting scenario. Great movie. That's a Frank Sinatra on the left smoking the cigarette. Um, they were brainwashed by the Chinese. And then they came back to America to do all kinds of awful things. What's happening now? 25 hours with President Xi, unaccounted for. And then Joe Biden shows up <laughs> with Hunter Biden, all sheepish, on Air Force Two in Beijing. What do they have on Joe Biden? What do they have on Hunter Biden? Why are we in such a mess? I wonder. I wonder. Don't you? Is this? Who knows? Who knows? Coming up, Maria Taylor. Have you ever heard of her? She is a sports journalist, and she seems to resent the hell out of anybody who's white. It really was just that racist during a recent special on MSNBC. We'll be right back. Rob Carson, host of the Rob Carson Show podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app and it downloads directly to your smartphone so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's coming. All, All I can say is that, that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? The fake news, they really loved Andrew Gillum. Remember him? He almost became the governor of Florida. He just barely uh, lost. He was just busted. Big time. Uh, let's see. He's got a lot of uh, felony accusations against him. Uh, 21 counts of bribery, accepting bribes, gifts. He's in big, big trouble. And yeah, he barely lost. Take a look at the, uh, between DeSantis and him, I think it was like 30,000 votes that kept Gillum from winning. You got to remember this though. There was, there were people who knew about his problems, his ethical problems back then, but they were covered up and 
pretty much brushed aside by the mainstream media. DeSantis brought it up in a debate, and they tried to silence him. Take a look. When I worked with the FBI, I was doing it as a prosecutor to bring people to justice. When Andrew is dealing with the FBI, he's dealing with an undercover agent as a person of interest and investigation. Now think about what he wants you to believe. He wants you to believe that he's not under investigation. Why would an undercover FBI agent posing as a contractor give him a $1,000 ticket to Hamilton? And so he was asked the question by me, did you pay for it? He was indignant. He says, I'm a grown man. I pay for my stuff. He lied the other day. The text messages show he knew it came from Mike Miller, who he didn't know was an undercover FBI agent at the time, but now we know that. He also didn't tell the truth about the junket he took um, in Costa right, Rica. Well, here, let me just finish this one no, thought. Have, it's one seconds. thought, because this is why it's important. Just here. here. I can make sure that this is why it's important. Because the lobbyists who funded that, your time, he sir, gave a $2 million way, contract to, to, to build a restaurant. So yeah, I had a struggle to get the message out. Uh, reporters did not pick up this story. It was out there. And uh, how about that moderator pulling a Chris Wallace trying to shut down any, any talk, uh, anything that might have been har harmful to Gillum? People knew about it. I knew about it. Joe Biden ignored all of it and it not only endorsed him, he, he did it in the weirdest possible way, of course. To come 24 miles from Philadelphia to pick me up to take a 127-mile ride to Washington, D.C. to be sworn in as president and vice president of the United States. So don't tell me. Don't tell me things can't change. Don't tell me this man can't be elected. Don't tell me that will not happen. Don't tell me. It's time. It's time. It's time. This is Joe, you ain't black Biden, right? Pointing his finger like that. Utterly, utterly bizarre. All right. Got to talk about uh, Maria Taylor. Do you know who she is? Uh, she's on ESPN, was on ESPN for a long time. Pretty capable sports reporter. But during a special on MSNBC, we found out that she really resents um, people who are white, people who look different from her. It's, it's really kind of sad odd, but this is how she feels. I just want to get rid of all the layers and just see who I am and who I can function as on camera. And I think I had always been prepping myself and making myself up for the white male gaze because that's what sports is. That's what, if you're covering football, the expectation is. So I'm thinking my hair has to be long. It has to be down to here. And one day I showed up and was like, no, I'm about to do the Winter Olympics and I'm going to cut all my hair off and it's going to be razored on the side and whatever's there will be there and whatever's not is not going to show up on camera. But it was scary. Like yeah. to bear your whole self on camera and be a black woman is scary. Oh, terrifying, I am sure. Guys don't really notice hair. But the part about white men looking at her, she said something like that, right? And I think I had always been prepping myself and making myself up for the white male gaze. The white male gaze. You got a problem with that? A problem with white fans? I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know about this. I just, that sounds, uh, that sounds really awful. I noticed everybody there, and Joy Reid is in the mix, and uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, they're, they're nodding in agreement with this, with this nonsense, with what sounds to me like racism. Nodding. You know, I thought, who's another prominent sports journalist who happens to be white? Aaron Andrews. Um, can you imagine if Aaron Andrews said that she was somehow disturbed by the gaze of black men? I have a feeling that would... Uh, well, she would be canceled before the end of the show. That wouldn't work. 
Of course it wouldn't, because it would be awful and horrible. That would make people think about Emmett Till, quite frankly. Didn't he look at the wrong white woman? Isn't that, isn't that what happened? More from Maria Taylor. The things that we have to battle through sometimes, it's like trying to hold your little candle against like the winds of the ocean. Um, and I felt that way sometimes coming up in sports because like you said, it's very white male dominated. Uh, a lot of times they simply don't want you there. Mm-hmm. And I've been on both sides of it where I've worked really hard to get to, you know, the NBA finals. And I've had a white woman raise her hand and say, you only got the job because you're black. Mm. Wow. Sounds like such an awful job and an awful life that she gets paid. Let's see. A reported five million dollars a year dwelling on on all the negative, all the negative that seems to just emanate from people who what they say, how do they say it? Don't look like her. We're still in the week of Juneteenth. This is a short week, right? Four work days officially. Uh, you heard from me. I thought the Juneteenth thing was, well, they did it to get at Trump. All right. It was all done to embarrass him two years ago when he had a rally set up. Some of these occasions are obscure. And that's why I like Dr. Ben Carson so much. Secretary HUD under Trump, a brilliant brain surgeon. Look at what he did when they tried to catch Trump making another racial faux pas that was utterly phony and ridiculous. Take a look. The president's uh, convention acceptance speech is now scheduled for Jacksonville on August 27th, which is the 60th anniversary of Axe Handle Saturday when a KKK mob attacked mostly black civil rights protesters. Is it appropriate to be having a convention speech on that anniversary in that city? You know, we, we, we've reached a point in our society where we dissect everything and try to ascribe some nefarious notion to it. Uh, we, we really need to move away from that. We need to move away from being offended by everything, of going through history and looking at everything, you know, of renaming everything. I mean, think about the fact that some of our universities, some of our prestigious universities, have a relationship with the slave trade. Should we go and rename those universities? Uh, You know, it really gets to a point of being ridiculous after a while. And, you know, we're going to have to grow up as a society. We have to grow up as a society. Dr. Ben Carson, one of my heroes, and I hope someday he's president. He'd be fantastic. All right. Because he talked about serious things, not silly things like the economy. The economy, as we've been talking about, as everybody knows, we are in really tough shape. Inflation, gas prices, real issues. Now, the Interior Secretary has actually something to do with this stuff in terms of freeing up land for drilling and the licenses and the leases. Um, But no, that's not what she likes to talk about. Take a look at this. This is Joe Biden's Interior Secretary, and she's really upset about stuff that happened uh, a long time ago. For over a century and a half, the federal government, including the Department of the Interior, forcibly removed indigenous children from their families and communities, and many never returned home. This intentional targeting and removal of Native children to achieve the goal of forced assimilation was both traumatic and violent. The consequences of federal Indian boarding school policies were inflicted on generations of children, some as young as four. As the head of the Department of the Interior and as the first Native American cabinet secretary, I am in a unique position to address the lasting impacts of these policies. 
Is she faking it or what? I don't know. I can't really tell. A lot of this stuff happened a long time ago. By the way, she should really rethink some of these federal policies and the largesse that have created big problems on those reservations. There's a little bit more. Our obligations to Native communities mean that federal policy should fully support and revitalize Native health care, education, languages, and cultural practices that prior federal Indian policies sought to destroy. The department working with relevant sister federal agencies will also work to expand tribal communities' access to mental health resources. Did she say Indian? I think she said Indian. I thought we weren't supposed to say Indian anymore. All right. Hey, the Juul, you know, that vaping device has been banned. Juul e-cigarettes are now banned in the United States and the administration taking steps to uh, even regulate tobacco, traditional tobacco, more heavily. Take a look at this. Um, requiring tobacco companies to slash nicotine to non-addictive levels. This will happen in May of next year. Now, that may sound great, but the thing is, regarding traditional cigarettes, you may have to smoke more. There's always an unintended consequence, usually, of these federal regulations. And maybe, just maybe, this is going to push more people to smoke weed, marijuana, which I feel like the culture and government pushing more and more people in that direction. They want us high. They want us checked out so they can do more of whatever the heck it is they want to do. All right. Also, Joe Biden, why did he go into politics? What motivated him at the age of 27 to run for city council and two years later run for the United States Senate? His answers have varied considerably over the years. Try to remember what it was that first got you involved in politics to begin with. I remember for me what it was. I got involved in politics for two reasons, only two, at the front end of my career. Civil rights and the environment. Voting rights. Voting rights. Voting rights. That's how I got involved in politics. We ended that damn war. That's why I ran the Vietnam War. That's what got me involved in politics in the first place, thing called redlining. I got involved in politics because of the poor and the disadvantaged. I got involved to try to stop the construction of that highway, which I did. That's what got me involved. I quit the law firm and asked for a job to become a public defender. That's what sort of got me involved in politics. I got involved in politics to begin with because of civil rights and opposition to white supremacists, the Ku Klux Klan. It's all about family. It's all about community. And it really is. That's what got Pete engaged. That's what got him involved. That's what got me involved. I got involved in politics because of the neighborhood I came from. The reason why uh, I got involved in politics, the reason why the president I ran, the president got involved, is the one primary role for government is to protect people. I was at the uh, signing the Voting Rights Act. It's been the only constant in my entire political career. That's what got me involved in politics. And I got involved because my state was the only state in the Union when Dr. King was murdered that was occupied by the National Guard. I ran for public office because of the burning, uh, how can I say it, the almost bile that was in my throat about watching Bull Connor's dogs on television in the 50s. The same issues relating to what constitutes uh, um, decency and honor in this country. Decency and honor. A natural born liar. When we come back, 
not only is he dishonest, he is incompetent and inept. This is actually sad, but we spotted notes today, more than just talking points. I mean, notes that instructed him to sit down, stand up the most basic, basic things as if he's in kindergarten. It's pretty astonishing. We'll be right back. the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. Are you worried about white supremacy? You're supposed to be, right? I mean, all the time they tell us this is an existential threat to America. According to the intelligence community, terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. One of the greatest threats to our national security is domestic terrorism manifested by white supremacists. I obviously am very concerned about the rise of extremism and extremism related to white supremacy. The FBI has warned repeatedly that domestic terrorism fueled by white supremacy is the number one threat to the United States right now. Number one threat. So it happens every day, right? I mean, there are examples of white supremacism every day, white supremacy. Let's take a look at the latest example in Los Angeles. Uh, you see this guy walk up to an Asian person and smash them in the face. Apparently, this is racially motivated. Oh, but this is not white supremacy. The person who threw the punch happens to be a person of color. Yes, um, this is happening a lot, particularly to Asian people, but we have yet been We've yet to be able to tie this to white supremacy. Uh, two police officers. Oh, is this white supremacy? Officer Joseph Santana and Corporal Michael Paredes in El Monte, Florida, gunned down allegedly by Justin Flores. Now, he's the suspect. Oh, it turns out that this is not suspected white supremacy either. This guy should have been in jail, by the way. So many reasons to have a guy like this locked up, especially, quite frankly, I don't care what color you are. Anytime anybody's got a, a face tattoo, that usually indicates problems. He had a criminal record, but the DA said no problems here. The outcome in this particular case, given what we knew then, no history of violence, very little contact with the criminal justice system for nearly 10 years, was appropriate. Okay, it wasn't. And Gascon, the DA, may go down over all of this. All right, now is there any white supremacy here in the pro-life facilities that have been targeted, firebombed, vandalized, horrible graffiti? A lot of this has been tied to a group. Oh, it's not a white supremacy group. It's just a very violent, horribly pro-abortion group called... Um, uh, Jane's Revenge, Jane's Revenge. And look, they like to write Jane's Revenge all over the place. That's their, that's their little signature. Um, not pro-life. There it is, Jane's Revenge. These are pro-life, uh, pro-mother clinics and facilities. I think we have another. Yep, there it is, Jane's Revenge. So what is Jane's Revenge? Came about fairly recently. We went to their website and this sounds like something the Department of Homeland Security should be looking into. Uh, we need the state to feel our full wrath. We need to express this madness fully and with ferocity. We need to quit containing ourselves. Remember, they are pro-abortion. They've been fired up by the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade. We need them to be afraid of us. And another 
portion from their website. Let's see their marching orders to themselves read like this. From here forward, any anti-choice group who closes their doors and stops operating will no longer be a target. But until you do, it's open season and we know where your operations are. The infrastructure of the enslavers will not survive. We will never stop, back down, slow down, or retreat. It's kind of amazing. These folks are flourishing on the Internet, and I get a hard time if I criticize the Democrat mayor here in New York City or I raise my concerns about the November 2020 election. This is happening to real people. They are targeting real people, and they are threatening lives. The Pregnancy Resource Center he oversees became a target for vandals overnight Sunday into Monday morning. I feel bad for all the people who donate money and goods and time here that some of that has to go to cleaning up. In all, 11 windows were smashed, three glass doors shattered. But it's the message that was sprayed onto the building that has Hillebrand thinking they were targeted. I think it's all related to Roe v. Wade decision coming down from the Supreme Court. A lot of people are upset about that. And taking it out, oddly enough, on people like us are, who are trying to help the ladies who are pregnant. There have been dozens of these attacks over the last several weeks. This is real. This is happening. The white supremacy threat is a myth, but strangely, it's being pushed by senior officials in government, like the Department of Homeland Security secretary. When he says this, he is lying. The greatest terrorism-related threat that we face in the homeland is the threat of domestic violent extremism. Individuals drawn to violence because of ideologies of hate or false narratives propagated on social media and other online platforms. And the most prominent um, threat is the threat of white supremacists. I hate white supremacists, but um, right now... There aren't enough of them to pose a significant threat. Jane's revenge, according to Jane's revenge itself, we got to be real worried about them. It's too bad Mayorkas seems to want them to win. All right, Joe Biden today was not at his best. He was um, even bad for him. The phrase that I, I found no noticeable was there's a difference between states that say may and, they, and say shall. If you have to say you shall give, you shall do ABC, they're the ones that are going to have problems. But most say may. I mean, may and, and I got it reversed, may and shall. And so there are, the gun laws in 40 of these states are still in place. Uh, what is that, a menu he's holding, a bingo card? What's he talking about? It is, it's embarrassing. But this is possibly worse. That's not a menu. It's actually, well, a guide to how to behave in the room, what to do. Take a look. Can you read it? You enter the Roosevelt Room and say hello. You take your seat. Press enters. You give brief comments. You ask Liz Schuler a question, and then you depart. This is basic rudiment. This is like a coloring book for a president. We... This is there's something wrong with this. And not too long ago, Joe didn't need these kinds of instructions. 
he would go before the reporters and they'd give him talking points. And all kinds of presidents have talking points. You know, that's fine. You know, here are some suggested answers to the questions that may come up. But to say, sit down, walk in, leave the room, ask that, it's, this is unprecedented as far as I know. All right, stay with us, please. We have much more coming up, including uh, me when I was 12 years old. <laughs> That's my great parents, and uh, we were on a trip. I'm 12 years old in that picture. Can you imagine a situation where I had my own doctor and the doctor would not tell my parents what was going on with me? That's happening across the country, especially in Arizona. We'll have more when we come back. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. Oh, this was a great trip. My parents, and that's me on the left back when I was 12 years old. My parents took the picture. I think we were on a ferry going to uh, Nova Scotia from Maine. I think you can still do that. It's really cool. Uh, I found this picture because when I heard of this story, it seemed like, well, I could not imagine having secrets from my parents that my doctor kept from my parents. Uh, That's a situation that actually might be happening in Arizona. There is a, a group called Honor Healthcare, and they're very significant, a nonprofit local community healthcare system in Phoenix. It serves 1.6 million people, and now they have procedures allowing 12 to 17-year-olds to create and manage their own medical information accounts and for that to be kept from parents. Amanda Ray joins us right now. She is a parental rights activist, and she is a mother of two kids uh, heading into fourth and sixth grade. Welcome, and I must say, I've, this sounds illegal to me. How are you, first of all? Welcome to Newsmax. I'm good. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate you having me on. You bet. 12 to 17-year-olds can legally have medical secrets from their parents. Right. It's not against the law. Unfortunately, they've um, done this right under our noses. It does not violate state law. However, Honor Health has chosen to create this digital access in order to allow children. My daughter is 11. She will be 12 in November, and it would give her the access to talk to her doctor um, and and go around um, my purview and, and have discussions. And it just it it just is another slap in the face for parental rights, um, and it just tells us that we need to, as parents, stay more involved and understand what's happening at our legislature. This has been allowed to happen. There was a bill introduced in January that would fix this, and it fizzled out, and it didn't have enough support. So we need parents to to get involved and make sure that these things don't happen. Parents cannot, according I think to the uh, the guidelines here, they cannot view appointments, they cannot see clinical notes and medical information or request prescription refills. Do you have any idea, is there any significance to the age of 12? Your daughter's about to turn 12. I mean, that's obviously not an adult. Why 12 when the secrecy potentially kicks in? Uh, Yeah, my daughter's very bright, but at 12 years old, she is not capable of making medical decisions. I don't know what the significance is um, of 12, although I do understand that consent varies state by state. And there is on our on our books, there are laws that allow 12 year olds in the state of Arizona to consent to certain medical procedures or um, treatment. And so it seems to follow 
Um, when a child is able to consent to medical treatment, they're allowed to control the confidentiality of those records. Okay, well, I think we just got a glimpse of your Facebook page, Amanda Ray. You can follow her on Twitter, at Amanda Ray. And thank you for uh, helping to bring attention to this. It sounds very crazy and to be continued, okay? Thank you, thank you. We need more moms in office. Uh, I won't object to that at <laughs> all. Okay, stay with us, we'll be right back. All right, so the Republican Party in New York State is trying to figure out who's going to take on Kathy Hochul. We had a great debate here on Newsmax uh, the other night. Lee Zeldin, who for a time was the front runner, did not have a very good night. Not to mention all that. He's actually lost three consecutive races right. for three different offices, and he's trying to get your vote so, once so again. Before These guys ended up getting fact-checked by Politico. They did the research, and Politico found that out of 63 <laughs> New York state senators, there were only two state senators who voted against Andrew Cuomo more than I did. And there's people out there who will be watching this debate. You're, we're talking about you. Yeah, individuals who are making seven, eight figures cheating the Medicaid system. Mr. Astorino likes to make believe like he's the only person who's talking about illegal immigration. And that's just no, not in reality. New York, what's happening. But that's not true. So what we need for this November, November 8th, we have an opportunity to flip the House of Representatives. For, for somebody who, whose claim to fame was that Chris Farley made fun of him on Saturday Night Live for being an obnoxious <laughs> kid, who ends up becoming more obnoxious when he kicked off the Duke golf team. And then you basically get right, position right, as the Chick-fil-A runner at the you're White House, right outranked now. by the White House you're Easter egg right now. Well, uh, he wasn't acting like a front runner. He, he was very not becoming. And Andrew Giuliani showed, I think, tremendous political talent. Rob Astorino, too. But uh, Andrew here is the newcomer, worked in the Trump White House, and uh, he seems to have the touch. I'm very proud of my name. And people would say, well, with a famous last name, it's easy to run in politics. I would tell you with a name like Andrew, it's very difficult to be the leading candidate for governor <laughs> in a Republican primary. Look, I'm proud of the four years that I worked for President Donald J. Trump in the White House. I'm the only person on this stage that always supported President Donald J. Trump and didn't call him other kinds of names. And I am very, very proud of, I think, New York's greatest crime fighter. Rudolph W. Giuliani. Well, look, I think this is just typical of Lee, who honestly is a flip-flopper. This is a guy who a couple years ago said that President Trump made racist statements and then lied to you last night, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, he's going to flip and flop. You were with Trump before you were against him. You're against him before that. I can't even right. tell. You can't even get it straight. 15, typical 15 Mr. Zeldin. Sorry to say. That was good stuff. Good stuff from uh, the young Andrew Giuliani. We'll see what happens on Tuesday. We'll be right back. Thank you to everybody who makes this show possible, especially you, the viewers. Thank you very much. We'll see you tomorrow.